0: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast.
1: and and me sitting down gonna talk about top five favorite uh non-makeup era kiss songs which is a little bit of a spin-off that you, you don't normally hear um yeah. to, to my opinion i i fell in love with the band in the during this period mm-hmm. and it's it's funny because it's like if i can get into the band when i got into them then you know i'm a fan because i became a kiss fan in 1987 when the crazy nights album was out wow and i've mentioned this in the show before um i I've, I've since gone on to to enjoy all eras of the band of, of and obviously the original band the, the most mm-hmm. but the uh, the story i told before um i was this reason to live was a song from crazy nights that was on dial in tv all the time and right. it was a ballad and and i was like a 11 year old kid and i was getting into all the hair band stuff and power ballads were they were in at the time sure. they, you know poison had every rose and bon jovi had wanted dead or alive and all that and as a kid that age i got into all that stuff and kiss had that video come out i also had a pretty hot chick in the video too so that, oh, yeah. that helped draw me in but i was watching that video one day and my older brother walks into the living room he sees me watching this video and he's like that's kiss and i said yeah and he starts laughing mm-hmm. he goes hang on a minute and he Goes in his bedroom and he comes back out and he hands me his, a, a vinyl copy of Alive and he goes, You listen to that, you'll like it a lot better. Yeah. So there's a big difference between
0: yeah. getting introduced to Kiss on a, you know, Crazy Nights level than yeah. it is on an Alive and, level, you know. And
1: I, you know, and I, so then I, you know, then I, and then actually put in Alive the, the vinyl and um, so happened that the first side I listened to, I just put on whatever and put mm. the needle down and the first thing that came on was Cold Gin. And cold gin was became like my all time favorite song for yeah. a while. Which, but we're not talking about the makeup era, Kiss. But, it, um, so becoming a fan at that time, that was the non makeup era, and that was what we had to had at the time. Right.
0: You know, I can kind of relate with that too. When I was a fan, when I became a fan of Kiss, was you know I was lucky. I would see I was born in '75, so mm-hmm. Kiss was already you know well on their way when I was just an infant. You know, by the time I was old enough to even know what music was, I mean they were huge. You know, and well on their way. But, uh, you know, I got turned on to Kiss by hand-me-down records from my aunts and uncles. You know, mm-hmm. my first Kiss records were Double Platinum and Alive 2. But my first, my first Kiss album, the first album that I could say was mine, that I wasn't given to me, that was, I actually went out and got it, was Animalize, mm-hmm. which my Uncle Bruce had bought two copies of and gave me one. So that was like my Kiss record, you know, yeah. and that was in to me it was crazy because I, I only knew kiss as, you know, the characters, you know, in the, in the great songs that, that were on double platinum and, and alive too. And, uh, you know, from there to listen to animalize, I was confused. I mean, believe it or not, we didn't have the internet back then kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't just Google, you know, what's where, where's ace really? you know, where's Peter Chris. I mean, I knew nothing about the band other than the music and right. what I would seen on the album covers. Mm-hmm. So then to me, would be, you know, the greatest thrill was going to the old, you know, used record shop and finding a KISS record, you know, whether it be later on than finding Dynasty or mm-hmm. finding, you know, just these random albums to fill out the collection. So for a while there, it was like once a month, you know, KISS had a new album in my life.
1: Yeah, same here. You know, so yeah,
0: yep. it was, that was great. You know, it, that's a great way to, to learn about the band, you know, and you kind of piece it together yep. through the albums and it became this big, you know exploration of rock and roll quest you know to to hear every kiss song there ever could be and uh you know that's but truly truly Animalize was the first one yeah. that it was mine that i listened to on yeah. my own
1: yeah that, that Animalize is a good one it's it's probably one of my least favorite of that era probably yeah
0: um there's some good songs on but there. yeah really we'll, good songs but
1: yeah we'll get into that in a minute um i do want to make a quick note um you mentioned Alive 2, and I know this is a non makeup era KISS discussion show, but uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention, uh, I just found this out a few hours ago, that uh, Eddie Bolandis, who was um, one of KISS's main security people and is better known as the voice introing the band on Alive 2, mm-hmm. passed away this week and oh, wow. um, was in poor health, but uh, recently had um, become kind of famous again. He We came on my friend's uh, KISS podcast called Podkissed, who I also I also interviewed the guys from Podkiss this uh, past week on their fiftieth episode to help them celebrate, but uh, Eddie was on their show and then went on to do a lot of Kiss conventions over the past few months and. That's cool. I mean, and that's, a lot of fans that's got a to know him.
0: Claim to fame, right there. Oh you know, yeah, the voice. Yeah. You know, everybody knows it. Yeah anybody that's even you know remotely a fan of the band knows that intro you know because it's it became such a you know, it really encompassed KISS mm-hmm. as when you thought of KISS, you thought of that intro. Hey, you wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest the, band yeah. in the world, Kiss.
1: And he had such a monstrous voice. Right. You I know? mean,
0: geez, you always as a kid you listen to that and just be like, Wow, you know, what yeah. you know, what band can't make it big with an intro like that? I mean, you you open up the album, if you've never heard of KISS, you never know nothing about Kiss before in your life, you listen to that intro and you're like, This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, you, know, you hear that at the beginning of any Kiss show, it's going to be great. You yeah. know, that's the moment your hair on the back of your uh, the hair on the back of your neck stands up.
1: Yeah, so he's uh he's gone on to a better place, but uh yeah, oh, God bless he, him. he definitely has a spot in Kiss history, so I just want yeah. to give it give a little rest in peace to Eddie Belandis. Um but yeah, so we're going to talk about top 5 favorite non-makeup era Kiss tunes and I I decided on non-makeup era because I initially when I was talking to Aaron about this it was going to be 80s Kiss tunes, but I don't know if we just do '80s, then I right? Think, I That's feel like... why
0: I kind of we're kind of cutting it short. Yeah. I mean, because Kiss kind of goes in eras, yeah. you know, and it's not necessarily this decade to that decade to that decade. <coughs> you me. know, I, I look at it more like you know, Kiss with Ace Freely, Kiss without Ace Freely, and then you know up to the Carnival of Souls, and after that, it's just kind of what it is now.
1: Yeah, so we'll of. uh, so we'll we we'll, I'm sure you'll hear a, bit, a little bit about each era of the. Uh of the band for each you know each album and each different guitar player change. It's going we'll to be an interesting conversation for sure. So yeah, so let's go ahead and get on uh with uh number 5 for for you Aaron.
0: Well, hang well before we get into that, you know, I've got my list together and I my top 5 aren't really in any particular order. Mine aren't either. Okay, cuz it was hard to break it down cuz there's a lot of great songs. Um, you know, the thing is if you count we're starting at lick it up, right? You didn't did you count Creatures of the Night?
1: No, no, we okay. started. We started. Lick it up.
0: Okay, good. That's where I started too. So you got "Lick It Up," "Asylum," "Crazy Nights," "Smash Thrashes and Hits," "Hot in the Shade." Um, then we got "Revenge" and "Carnival of Souls." That's seven albums.
1: You had, you got Animalize
0: in there too. Right? Oh, did I get Animalize? Oh yeah, Animalize too. So that's okay. eight albums in there all together. Yeah. Um, out of those eight albums, pick five songs. That means a bunch of albums mm-hmm. got left out. So I'm curious, which which albums are you covered in in your top five?
1: Oh, this was hard.
0: I know, I'm telling you, I've really had a hard time breaking it down because there's was, so many great songs. It
1: was really hard because I have a soft spot in particular for two of these albums.
0: Well, see, and I did that too where I've got you know I've got four songs that I thought were you know my personal favorite and then I've got that one that's out there that's just kind of a sentimental thing. It's a song I really like for a reason.
1: All right. there's a, well, the, the one that, that I'll go ahead and say that got left off that, that didn't make my list was hot in the shade.
0: Yeah, I've actually, you know what? I've got "Hot in the Shade" on mine. Do you? Yeah, I sure do.
1: See, I could have put "Forever" on there, obviously, because that's the easy one because everyone right. knows it. But we're doing our our personal, personal favorite. Yeah, not and the, to me, "Forever" the, "Forever" is like
0: ones. my least probably. You know, "Forever" would make my top least favorite Kiss songs. Right. I'm sure.
1: Was that, yeah. So, so we'll but we'll just call this number five for you.
0: Okay. Number five. So number five for me, uh, Hot in the Shade, um, The Street Giveth and the Street Taketh Away. Sure. And the reason behind this song is because of the aforementioned song, Forever. Now, kids out there listening, you know, you might not be able to relate with this, but in the back in the day, there was a thing called a jukebox, and it would sit inside of an establishment, and across the, the street from our high school was a little pizzeria, and in there they had one of these record-playing jukeboxes, and uh, inside would be 45s. Now, on a 45, you get two songs, mm-hmm. one on the front, one in the back now when you go in there and it's you know it's the you know what what year is that hot the shade was
1: 1990.
0: so 1990 you got to figure you know the music scene is starting to change you know all my friends were into the really heavy stuff you know i was you know pantera was starting to come in and then you know and all these really great bands were coming out with some really great you know metal hard rock stuff Mm -hmm. and you know that album maybe not known so much for great hard rock music I mean there's some killer songs on it like like I said it's hard to cut it down but on the B side of forever was this song here
1: yeah I just wanted to play a couple seconds of it
0: it's a great song I mean it's not one of their heaviest not one of their best now the reason it made the list for me is because it was the B side of forever mm-hmm. and all my friends would hang out in the pizzeria on lunch break and everybody playing songs off the jukebox and Thank God for that song because otherwise, all you'd hear is forever, and all I'd get, I'd just catch hell from everybody for being a Kiss fan, you know, when everybody else was starting to get into heavier music, which, you know, I like the heavier music. I don't really care for forever that much, you know, that's just not to me. Those songs are a little something for the ladies, you know, that's not for me, right? The street giveth and the street taketh away, that's for me, and I'm grateful that it was the B side, so at least. You know, there was one cool Kiss song that I could play. While everybody else was playing all the cool metal stuff off the rest of the jukebox, I had that one Kiss song. <laughs> the one Kiss song that was the saving grace that was at least a rock tune that I could play. Yeah. When, you know, it was the the land of the ballads everywhere else. Right. So that one made the cut for me on a sentimental reason.
1: Interesting side note, um, if I'm remembering <clears throat> right, that song was co-written by Tommy Thayer.
0: Uh, you may be right, because I think I remember Gene was hearing... working with him a lot yeah. at that
1: time. This is when he... Uh, was transitioning from uh, Black and Blue into uh, Aaron Boy,
0: I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah, I, I was going to say, in, be, in between refilling Gene Simmons' mug of coffee, yeah, managed making, to help write yeah. a song. Hey, yeah, I like that. Add yeah, this. There you go. Yeah. Creamer with that? Sure, no problem, Gene. You're the man. Love well, you.
1: Well, let's digress for a little bit about Tommy. I mean... A lot of people give Tommy Thayer shit, but the truth is anyone would kill to have his job. Right,
0: you know. I mean, if they came to me and said, hey, you know, we want you to be Ace Frehley. I'd be like, heck yeah, yeah, man. I've been pretending to be Ace Frehley since I was three years old. And so, and so had Tommy. <laughs> and, that, that, I mean, that was
1: the guy's dream come true, you know. For
0: sure, you know. And people do damn him because, you know, mainly because they look at him and they say, you know, you're not Ace Frehley you know well get used to it so is vinnie vincent so is mark st john so is all the rest of them even poor bruce Kulick. you know yeah could never fill the boots ace Freely and kiss and nobody ever will you know he gets it a little worse because at least the other guitarists were their own people you know they weren't you know mm-hmm. they didn't dress mark st john as as vinnie vincent or as right. ace Freely or anybody else you know they each had their own their own person you know even if they didn't have a a character in the makeup they were at least their own people within the band yeah this guy you know they're trying to pass him off as ace Frehley. none of the real fans really like it all the people that are going to the shows for nostalgia reasons can't tell the difference you know right. they don't know you know so it's kiss's way to keep that trademark open and you know it's a double-edged sword you know as tommy thayer you know it, it's gotta suck. Yeah, but on the other hand, you know the, sure the perks. The perks yeah. way outweigh it. You know, if I got to listen to everybody tell me, "Hey, man, you're no Ace for really for this amount of money, and to be able to go do these things and be in the studio small and be a member of Kiss, yeah, small price to pay." What yeah. are you going to do? Tommy Thayer's not that bad. That that Sonic Boom album, his guitar playing on there was killer. That's I loved it. Good.
1: Okay, well. That's, so that's your number five. That's
0: an interesting choice to start it off yeah, with. Yeah, that's that's the oddball out of the group for sure.
1: All right, well, uh, mine might be considered, my number five might be considered an oddball too. Um, since we're, we're doing the non-makeup era, and uh, my number five choice is the absolute first song of the non-makeup era of KISS.
0: This is a great song.
1: This is a little song called Exciter. This song was tech, I guess, in theory. Go ahead and cut it down. Play just enough to not get sued. And uh, that that was, um, (laughs) speaking of sued, uh, this was uh, Vinnie Vincent's uh, non-makeup introduction into Kiss, I guess you could say. Um, But the funny thing is about this song is a lot of people don't realize that that is not Vinnie Vincent playing the lead guitar part in this song. It's not. No, that is Rick Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo Derringer. Wow. Playing the lead part to this song. And uh, the theory to that is this was after Creatures of the Night and after the Creatures tour with uh, Vinny playing with them uh, in Rio and all the, through those stadium shows. And the theory is that his head, his ego had gotten out of control, and Paul and Gene wanted to put him in his place. Ah. So they were like, you're not going to play the solo on the first track of the album. We're going to have Rick Derringer come in right. and do it. It's
0: just a kind of a way to keep him in check. Huh? I
1: guess, yeah. But the, you know, the, those guys played a lot of head games with each other. I suppose, you
0: know. But, uh... I mean, it's, it's crazy, that whole situation. But, you know, Exciter, it's a great song. You know, there's a bunch of great songs on Lick It Up. You know, mm-hmm. a couple of my other favorites off there, All Hell's Breaking Loose, and uh-huh. On the Eighth Day. I love those songs. Um, None of Lick It Up made my cut. Really? Yeah. But I, like I said, if I was going to pick one off of there, it would be Exciter.
1: I've got two songs off. Lick really? On this, on this.
0: See, show. like I said, I, dis- I discovered a little something about myself as listening to this, and I've kind of realized that Kiss in the 80s can kind of be broken up into two sections, you know, and we'll get into more of that as we get further down mm-hmm. the line.
1: But yeah, this was a... Uh... This was the kickoff to the non makeup era. And I, I mean, I think they couldn't have picked a better song to start the album off. Um, and as I mentioned, Rick Derringer plays the solo. That's an awesome solo. It is. I mean, it, it, it has enough of the old and the new sound to it. Honestly, I would have loved it if they had gotten him to play lead for the band. But um, I'm not discrediting Vinnie Vincent at all. Um, Vinnie Vincent brought a lot to this band. For um, sure. And when they, at a time that they horribly needed it
0: well that's what they always said to vinnie vincent's stance has always been you know i was able to step in at a time where kiss really needed that kick in the ass yeah. and i provided that you can't really argue no, that that can't. that's not that i agree with that you and, know vinnie vincent is a hell of a guitar player you know it's all the other bullshit that goes along exactly. with it that ruins it for him yeah. and that's what always has been said about vinnie vincent you know the guy was handed the keys of the kingdom he had all the talent all everything he needed to to you know, to rightfully be the KISS guitarist in the band to this day. You oh, know? Yeah, he could have easily came in and took over for Ace Fraley and and changed it where the argument could have been who's better, Ace Fraley or Vinnie Vincent. Right. Take everybody else out of the equation. If Vinnie Vincent would have played ball and done right, he could be into KISS to this day. You know, there would be no Tommy Thayer. It'd be Vinnie Vincent in the Egyptian makeup. Now, yeah. How crazy would that be? It, it, it,
1: they, I honestly think KISS could have been now they did well in the '80s, but they could have been stayed near the top with him in the band. I think because you got to look at the guy's songwriting proficiency.
0: Right, I wrote mean, a lot of great songs. I
1: mean, he he did he did a good bit of lead work on Creatures, but his main contribution was the Lick It Up album. He had mm. eight co-writes on that record. Yeah, and I mean, they're still playing songs in the set that he wrote that he helped write. Yeah, and uh, true. another one of my songs later on in this list also involves vinnie vincent at a later time
0: i think we probably will match that one yeah
1: and um but yeah so a lot of you know i i gotta give the guy credit i mean he and so, some of the uh vinnie vincent invasion stuff while it, the noodling went a little nutty on on the lead, lead parts with uh the invasion stuff the songwriting was still pretty strong for 80s yeah. rock stuff so if you put some of those songs on Animalize and asylum i think you would have yeah. had some seriously great records
0: yeah, because the thing that ruined it, for ruined the Vinnie Vincent invasion for me was I wasn't a big fan of either one of the singers. Yeah. You know, and it's like, maybe it's like the old Ingvay Malmsteen complex where I'm such a great guitar player, it doesn't matter who I get to sing for me, you know, because mm-hmm. nobody cares about the singer, they're all looking at me. You know, I'm yeah. Vinnie Vincent, look at my big pink guitar, ain't it pretty? <laughs>
1: Well, and while while we're on the topic of Vinnie Vincent, I guess I need to go ahead and update people. You know, as I always do. For this sure. this is a Vinny Vincent's musical it's output exciting. for this
0: week. Huh? Nothing yet, huh? That's well, amazing. Don't um, give up, Vinny. Yeah. Don't give up. We're waiting on you, baby. All
1: right. Well, that's Exciter's my number five. Let's go to number four for you.
0: Number four. Well, maybe we can look at this a different way. Let's go album by album.
1: Yeah, but I've got all these fancy things saying, number five, number four. Oh, okay, so all, wanna, right. I, I, all right, all right, then. I, you know, as you just heard, I want to do those.
0: Okay, all right, <laughs> let's see. I guess I'm going to skip all the way to Revenge, then. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Domino. Domino's a great song, I love it. You know, the guitars are killer, Gene's awesome in it. Seems like, like I was trying to say earlier, their kisses broke up into two eras within the non-makeup era. I think it's like the, the 80s glam kiss, and then the early 90s you know metal kiss mm-hmm. and i prefer that kiss my i've what i've done by doing this and putting this list together is realized how much i truly love the carnival of souls album mm-hmm. you know the carnival of souls album is awesome mm-hmm. it's got some great songs some of paul stanley's best work i think is on that album. it's too bad he doesn't agree with you i don't know why <laughs> i mean that stuff is killer i mean I could just tell you the list right now because it's just off of revenge and carnival of souls. After that,
1: well, we'll just we'll we'll go one by one. I'm not
0: um, the I'm not the big, uh, kiss trying to cash in on the, the poison wave and the, the stuff like that. I'm not not to say there's not some good songs in that. I mean there are they're all great songs, but this is gonna be where we. It's differ. trying to kind of mix it up a little bit, this, but
1: this is definitely gonna be where we differ because I hate Domino. Really? I think it sucks. Really? I have always hated this song.
0: It's such an original song.
1: Oh, no, oh, it sounds like a bad ZZ Top song.
0: I don't think so. Oh, I think it's hate it's it. it stands out.
1: I don't know. I've never liked this song. I just it's <clears throat> I mean, I guess <clears throat> if you're looking for di- the direction they were going, they were in a better direction with that type of material.
0: I think that it kind of sums up Gene Simmons in that era of Kiss, that song. You think of Gene Simmons in the late non-makeup era. You think Domino. That's such a great tune.
1: Nah, I, I totally disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. This uh, the song right. just
1: gives me visions of Gene, you know, shaking his butt around wearing spandex. I don't yeah. Like
0: well, at least he was wearing the long <laughs> coat by that phase, you know, cover that thing up. Quit but, shaking your crotch in our face. He ain't even got a codpiece on no more.
1: I'll give Kulik credit on the solo though. The solo is yeah. really good.
0: Kulik had some great work on those albums yeah. too.
1: But see, I like all. I like
0: Kulik was good all the way through. I mean, I he, like did, he did. He did everything stuff. they asked of him, and then some. All
1: right. Well, uh, we'll go with my number four, and I'm gonna go with the other album I have a big soft spot for, as I mentioned before, the Crazy Nights album. Mm-hmm. The the one I want to go with, though, is not considered one of the, uh, it's not one of the singles from the record, it's not really one of the more well-known songs from the record, but I, I dig it a lot, it's this one.
0: Oh yeah.
1: It's Hell or High Water.
0: That's that's on my list too of ones that I wrote down all the ones I thought were the top, Uh and then tried to tried to pick out five from there. But Heller High Water off of Crazy Nights is a killer tune. I love that song.
1: Gene got such a bum rap about his '80s output. I don't know, and it was uh, this all that shit started up in the early '90s when a lot of the hair bands were still doing well because at the time, you know, Motley Crue and Poison were still doing okay as before grunge killed all that stuff off, and. But at the time, but it's funny because everybody wanted to still give Paul all the credit for that period. Right. Because all that stuff still sounded kind of fresh. You know, Heaven's on Fire and Crazy Nights to the title track and Turn On the Night and all that stuff. But now, in hindsight, this many years later, I think the Gene material sounds stronger than a lot of the Paul stuff.
0: I agree 100% on that. I mean, Crazy Nights, I listened to it again, you know, and it was like I wanted wanted to be able to pick something from everything because, you know, I, I. there's, a, there's songs off of every album I like. Crazy Nights, you know, the thing was at the time, the story was, well, Gene was out managing this band and trying to get a cameo in this and starring in that movie and doing all these side project things that Paul Stanley just pretty much went and made the album. And Gene Simmons just kind of came and slapped some songs together and said, here you go, let's put it out, you know. Yeah. But those Gene Simmons songs, I mean, are really good. I mean, Thief in the Night, you know that, also on my that's list. a killer song too you know there's great songs off of crazy nights i don't crazy nights not one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. you know to me it's kind of like uh unmasked without ace you know yeah. so it's like it's a little too it's slick a little, too, slick, a little yeah. too you know radio friendly yeah reason to live my way oh man i don't like oh, no, my way <laughs> i can't stand my way that's like probably <laughs> the worst kiss song ever now, there's some that are worse, but it's I can't there. think of any, man. Uh,
1: I Finally Found My Way to You is pretty bad. That's pretty bad, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, but, you know, it's like Paul said, back in those times, in that day and age, you know, if you didn't have at least one ballad on your album, yeah, it was you weren't going to sell shit, you know, and you yeah. sure weren't going to get any airplay. So it was kind of a prerequisite thing yeah. that, you know, every one of them bands that, at that time had to go through it. At the time, you know, for a guy like me that was a hard rock fan, I mm-hmm. like KISS for their rock music, you know, the guitar playing and stuff like that. You know, it just man, it it was tough because, you know, here then you know music's starting to change. Grunge is so much different than the love ballad, you know. The grunge to me music was just the total rebellion of against songs like forever and my way and and reason to live you know that were just so sappy that you know (laughs) i mean like i said them songs are songs for the ladies you know Uh and and that's what it was at the time you had to do that if nirvana would have made it big in 83 they'd have had love ballads too because that would have been the only way they could have survived in that era of time sure so you can't damn the band for doing it you know you got to do it to make the money you got to make the record companies happy you got to go on tour you got to sell albums you gotta sell out a little bit sometimes. You want if I've got an album full of kick ass rock tunes and I gotta make one stinking ballad just in order to get everybody to listen to the rest of these songs, I guess I'm gonna do it. Well even Black
1: Sabbath did a ballad. Yeah, so
0: it was just part and parcel of the times. And
1: I don't know, the eighties were These were a little bit more of a lighthearted era. Yeah. So I mean it was like it, it, we it well. what seems so Cheesy and corny now was just normal back then. Right, you know it wasn't. It wasn't considered all that strange at the time. Now at the end of the '80s, when you like, I was watching an old uh, Headbangers Ball from like 1990. Yeah. The other day, and oh my God! I mean, I was watching it with my wife. Sat it, sat down and watched a few minutes was all she could handle. And we were both looked at each other. And we were like, now I understand why grunge took over because it it just it got out of control. Right. I mean, you had there's some of the bands on there. It was like there was one. It was a band. You remember a band called Jailhouse?
0: Yeah, I think I do.
1: There was Jailhouse, and there was Laws Rocket, and
0: oh, they they uh, Laws Rocket wasn't that good. They oh, there was
1: some really horrible Jailhouse, stuff being played. I'm trying
0: to think if that's I don't know. I'm, I think. I think I remember but you Halls. They had like a de- couple decent songs. But
1: you had you just had this humongous amount of bands that just they they just clones. weren't worth being signed. Yeah, they were just clones of other stuff.
0: If this band made it big, uh, odds are if I can sign this band that's right. just like that, pretty close, you know, it's just like You know, just like a generic version of something. You know, if you've got a product and you put it on the shelves and it's good and it sells in a matter of time, there's going to be a generic version of it. And that's what all these were. You know, and today we're starting to witness it again with, you know, the music that's out there now. The only difference was at least that music had a model that was decent. I mean, if you're going to try to be like a band, you know, if you strive to be something, be successful to be like this band, you want to be like Motley Crue, you want to be like Poison, you want to be like Kiss, Sabbath, somebody like that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to strive. I want to make it big so I can be (coughs) just like. Back. Nickelback, <laughs> Breaking Benjamin, uh, you know Limp Biscuits. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, nothing against those bands, but you yeah, know, not for me, baby. Well, we're the show. For we're the, talking about Kiss here. We're the old guys. You but, got? Uh, any, you pick any songs off Asylum? Yes, I did. You did.
1: And I'll, I'll go ahead and we'll we'll just make that. I'll go ahead and do my number. Well, actually, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come right back. No, I don't want to hear that Nickelback song again. The asshole hurts. Ah.
0: Really? This is a Decibel Geek Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Marilyn Manson, Surgically Removed Rib, and you're listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. All right, so we're gonna we'll start off with my number three. Number three. My number three is gonna be "Off Asylum." This was the only track I could really put off. There's a there's an also rant I'm gonna mention, and it's probably the biggest song off Asylum. That's "Tears Are Falling." Now, "Tears Are Falling" might be considered kind of a ballad.
0: Yeah. But, it was a hit.
1: But for for straight up songwriting, this was one of Paul Stanley's better tunes uh, from the '80s. Um, tears
0: is fallen is pretty good song
1: and bruce Kulick's probably his best solo yeah from that era pretty awesome before solo. revenge the revenge stuff tops most of what he did before it but for a melodic solo i thought it was a really great solo of it and if you hear bruce Kulick in interviews he'll always talk highly of that yeah. solo because he loved it um it's just a great song and this is one that i think uh I, I would love to hear the lineup now play it. You know, I'd like to hear them do it live now. I, I'm
0: surprised that they don't, being well, that they, that was kind of a... I mean, that was a hit for Kiss. Oh, that yeah. was yeah. That was a single.
1: It was well known. It was all over MTV for the a video, while. The video, yeah.
0: I remember the video with the girls in the pool and all wow. that. Yeah. But
1: uh, the uh, wow. they played it um, They played it on the Rock the Nation tour in 2004. Really? When they were mixing up the set list. And I wish they would bring it back, because I think it would be good. I don't know that Paul could handle the high notes anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good song. You know, to me... Sometimes stuff gets overplayed too quick for me. You know, it's like I don't know if I'm just that much of a nonconformist. Like, if somebody else likes it, or if a, it's it's if you like it, it's cool. If I like it, it's cool. If that person likes it, it's cool. Now, if too many people start liking it, it's like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, this is my band. Yeah. I don't want you all liking it. But because I think you're that one.
1: That one's has aged well. It's one of those. Yeah. You, you still hear it today. You're like, yeah, it's actually still a pretty good to- tune. You know, it's.
0: There's some songs off Asylum I like. I mean it was that was a weird era for kiss too you know but you got to consider asylum for what it is now if this was a list of let's say the top 50 glam rock albums mm-hmm. of all time you got to figure asylum would probably be right up there it'd
1: be in there yeah as a
0: glam rock album if, sure. you, if you don't look at it as a kiss album you don't look at it as a hard rock metal album but if you just put it in with what was coming out at the time mm-hmm. you know there's some decent tunes on there i think some of it could have been a little heavier
1: well, the you one know, that, I
0: like Uh All Night. I like Trial by Fire. Secretly Cruel is even a decent I song. Was,
1: I was going to mention that. To, um, I'll, I'm going to put it in here. It'll be a post-production edit. That's a bit radio talk. You'll, um, you'll forget to do it and everybody I probably will probably will. But there's a great uh, cover that was done on YouTube by this guy named Double Virgo. Uh, have, you, have you seen it? Uh-uh. He, um, he plays all the instruments on it and he wears makeup in the video and it's him filming himself playing all the, the parts, but he made it into a 70s style Kiss song. Oh wow! And it sounds just like an old '70s style Kiss song, but it's uh, mm. secretly cruel.
0: That's cool. I'll check that. Yeah, out. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll play it for you, and uh, but those of you listening will get to hear it on the on the show. But uh, yeah, that was the one. That one almost made
0: my. Mind. Yeah, I know she's secretly cruel, baby, baby, the opening track king of the mountain is pretty cool too that, yeah the drum part's really awesome i like the that. the intro on it mm-hmm. it's a good song asylum's a good album too so is
1: is, is there is that one your number three king of no mountain? i
0: didn't have any asylum oh Nothing really off of asylum. asylum didn't make the no nope.
1: so what do you got for your number three
0: i guess my number three is going to be childhood's end off a of carnival of souls i love oh. that song love that song i mean it's just such a it's not your typical kiss song by That's any means. Sure. But it's got such a cool groove to it and the the lyrics and the way Gene sings it. I mean, it's like it's almost more like a Johnny Cash song than it is a Kiss song in the way that it tells the story, you know. But the musically, I mean, it's just it's a well-written song. It's just something about every time I hear it, I want to sing it. You know, it's just one of them songs that gets caught with you. You know, it's so catchy and so just different. You know But It's it's cool. It's Gene Simmons through and through, but it's it's an awesome song. I have no idea what it's about. But, you know, I always kind of thought it was, somebody told me it was about Wendy O. Williams, but I it's never. It's up for
1: debate, because, I mean, there's also been, I've also heard that there was a, a friend of his that died that uh, he played in a band in high school with, that it was written about, too, but I don't know for sure. Hmm. It's, it has been up, and some people even said it could have been about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. You know, like, uh, about reading him, reading about him dying in the New York Times.
0: Yeah. But in Great my... song, though, I like it. It's
1: a swing and, the, swing and a miss for me. Really? Yeah. You I, I, I thought it I thought it was well-intentioned, and mm-hmm. I thought it, it could have been a great song, but something about the way Gene does the uh, vocals on it just doesn't work. I, um... And I don't like the kids coming in at the end of the song. Yeah, yeah that's, that's always tale. kind of a,
0: yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of them things you don't, I don't really care for that either. You know, there's some songs out there, Dolls by Ace Frehley and stuff like that. Oh, goodness. Don't, don't bring your kids into the studio. You know, everybody's got kids. Everybody yeah. loves their kids. You know, you do anything for your kids, leave them at home. When you're in the studio putting together a rock album, you know, with maybe with the exception of the walkie-talkie thing at the beginning of Guide to Thunder, because well, that's pretty cool.
1: Bob, Bob Ezrin can pull that off. Because that's, that's pretty that's cool. That's the only way you're going to do but it. But
0: otherwise, you know, yeah. yeah, everybody loves their kids, but that don't mean you bring them to work with you and let them sit in on what you're yeah, doing. Yeah,
1: it's a funny. Childhood, childhood's End also another uh, Tommy Thayer co-write. Really? So you're a bigger Tommy Thayer fan than you even thought you were. <laughs> See? I told you. I, I learned
0: things about myself when putting this list together. So
1: yeah, that's that's a good tune. I mean, I, I just <clears throat> but it doesn't doesn't my big issue with Carnival of Souls has always been it's just like it sounds so unfinished and I think it was. I think they I think they did great at laying down all the basic tracks and vocals for it, but I think when it came right. to mixing, and Toby Wright, the producer of the album even mentions that uh, the reunion was taking shape right as they were finishing recording the tracks right this. so i'm sure they were a little so,
0: distracted and i don't think this was ever truly intended to even come out i don't well think
1: well they gene rushed to the, into the studio they basically told bruce and eric we're getting back together with the old guys
0: and if you want if you want to kick a little ass you better do it now
1: well and they told toby uh just mix these tracks real quick. We have to go on tour, and yeah. so I think they lost interest once the reunion was on the table.
0: But the thing is, with that album, and you know, do you want me to go ahead and introduce my next one because it's on there too? Yeah, so go it's on there. We'll my your, my, orders. what are we uh, your number, number two. my number two, number two, master and slave. I think it's it's my favorite Paul Stanley song. I a, love that tune, it's man. A great tune. And I think getting back to what Carnival of Souls was was you know, like you said, yeah, it was kind of. The intentions were good, you know. Mm-hmm. We're gonna come out with, you know, it was, I mean, right in line with revenge. Yeah. I mean, as far as heaviness and yeah. stuff, and you know, that's why I say I think revenge hit once once they got past Hot in the Shade because you got you start out with Kiss and if if you want to get a little iffy about it, you you kind of put Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up together as kind of a, the post Ace frilly transition period, mm-hmm. you know, where they were, you know, Ace is out of the band now let's listen to his ideas and make a straightforward rock album you know Mm -hmm. why didn't they come out with that when you know when ace was saying hey you know i don't want to do this goofy you know kiss meets the elder let's do a straightforward rock album no no we're going to do this concept thing and it pissed the guy off you know and big time you know he still bitches about that the the you know there and there are granted there are a couple of decent songs on on music from the elder Mm -hmm. but for the most part man it's weird it's just weird and you know why if you kiss you i never understood why you want to do that you know you you your fans expect rock and roll from you, you know. Come out and kick some ass, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's where Ace Frailer was at at that time. So then, you know, that makes that after that the transition period. Why they let him leave and then come out with a kick-ass rock album like Creatures of the Night is beyond me, you mm-hmm. know. And then follow it up with with Lick It Up. And I think those two albums kind of squeeze together a little bit as kind of the transition part. It's the Vinnie like Vincent, yeah, the Vinnie Vincent era, I guess you could sure. call that. Yeah. So then after that, then you get to Asylum, and it's okay. Well, an asylum, know, or yeah, Animalize an asylum you know let, hey look even you you want to keep going with that is kind of a transition thing uh-huh. where even into crazy nights and a little bit into hot in the shade where that's there when you think of 80s rock you mm-hmm. think of the big hair the the eye makeup the spangly dangly clothes you know sparkly looking fancy mm-hmm. dancing on the stage paul stanley style stuff yeah you know it's it's those three albums and a little bit of Hot in the Shade. Hot in the Shade was also kind of a transitional period, I think. Starting
1: to go back home by Hot in the Shade. And then to
0: me, so that that encompasses like their glam rock era. Mm -hmm. And then you get Metal Kiss. Yeah. which is, you know, other than the original stuff is my favorite. Those two sure. albums, Revenge and, and Carnival of Souls. Everybody says Carnival of Souls is a grunge album. I was
1: album, just going to say it but I, you said it was a metal album because it's not a grunge album. It's not album. a
0: grunge album. I think that the way that people get confused on that is the production of it, you right. know, where it's it's not as slick as Revenge by any means, no. you know. It's it's very, you know, uh, Underproduce compared they to wanted, revenge
1: they wanted to go for that sound that's why they got toby Wright to produce it,
0: it but it's a great album because he
1: did allison chains and stuff and they wanted to get that vibe yeah so, and, now, it, and
0: it worked for him it man was, i love that cd
1: it was gene wanting to tap into that market so let's, right. let's not totally say it's metal well, but as far as riffs and stuff goes and songwriting yeah. it's not grunge at all
0: no i mean to me allison chains is metal i you agree know, so that's that's when I think my a grudge, opinion of i it. think
1: of like mud honey or uh yeah. the melvins or you yeah. know the, that alternative stuff where it's a little bit more garagey sounding right kiss will never be confused as a garage
0: band. never so never
1: so the but i mean the rawness of that record is great and i guess i'll go ahead and, and add my number two here because it's also off carnival of souls my number two is Jungle.
0: that is a great tune
1: this song from start to finish just kicks ass
0: you know the great thing about jungle was was when carnival of souls was released and jungle came out as a single yeah it was so cool to hear the jungle play on the radio station you know along with other songs and you're so used to over the years you know is oh man the the radio single is gonna be just awful it's gonna be the love ballad it's gonna be the song everybody hates the most it's gonna sell a million copies but when the jungle came out and it came on the radio and you heard this riff man it was a KISS song you could be proud of. Yeah. You know, here's KISS doing what they do best, kicking ass and rocking out.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, the bass line is awesome. Yeah. I don't know if it's Gene or if it's Bruce, but it's great. But, yeah, it's just, I'm not going to play too much. But, yeah, it's its one of those vibey songs, and it's mm. just like... it. it I thought it harkened back to the early days of the band, honestly, because I mean I just, especially the main riff, right when it comes into, I mean, that that's really that's good. straight up like the early, kind of has like the parasite hundred thousand years type vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and Eric Singer is just a monster on that yeah. song, and he, he's playing all these like uh these, uh I think they call them Tombas, the African drum, you know, yeah. in the background and uh you got the 808s booming in the background it's just it's a really experimental track
0: that's what's cool know. about that whole album is you can tell that you know Bruce Kulick and Eric Singer got creative freedom that oh, yeah. they've never had on any album before or since then. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of lot of hands-on in making this album. Yeah. And it's good because those guys are a couple of talented motherfuckers right there, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, I forget I can swear on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I was halfway in between swearing and hey. saying Mother Trucker. <laughs> I thought
1: you came out Mother Motherfuckers. <laughs> Mother Fruckers. <laughs>
0: but... Uh, no, a couple of t- super talented guys, and it's good uh-huh. to see them showcasing it. You know, by taking the reins away from Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons a little bit may not have been such a bad thing because what a kick-ass album it was. I you thought, know, I thought
1: it was great because they were. I mean, it was like it was a, a team effort. Yeah, it was four. It was a four-wheel drive vehicle, yeah. and uh, the the whole last what three minutes of the song is like a big jam. Yeah, with, you know, Eric's playing that tribal thing, and then Bruce is doing all these cool little yeah. lead, lead licks, and I mean, I I just love that song start to finish. Like I had a. Uh, a buddy of mine in college and you know, this was uh probably around 1995 it was right before the right. well actually the reunion had been announced mm-hmm. and then the album got leaked on the internet right but you remember how how uh i guess i could say how archaic our uh, technology was at that time with downloading and stuff right i had my roommate's computer and he had a computer that was considered top of the line in 1995 it had all of nine gigs on the hard drive Ooh. so we had it rigged up to where he would, he had it, the computer rigged into his stereo, big stereo system, and we recorded it, the leak of the album, from the internet onto a cassette tape. Wow. So it sounds horrible. Yeah. But, like, I was listening to it, cause it and it felt like you were in on some big secret, because this was the sure. album that Kiss didn't want to come out, you know? Right. So I've got this buddy of mine who was a, he was a, he was brand new to college, and he comes in and, uh, I'm not. He said he was a Korean guy. Hadn't lived in America very long, and not that that means anything. But he didn't know a lot about Kiss or rock or American music. He didn't follow it that much. Yeah. So I start playing him the tape, and I put Jungle on, and he heard that, and he was just it blown away. He's like, "That is so awesome!" Yeah. I, so every time I hear Jungle, I think of my buddy uh, in college that we were just blasting this cassette tape that had all this hiss on it. Just to listen to it though, but we're like listening to it and they just blown away by you how like, heavy Kiss yeah, had yeah, gotten yeah. with it. And you feel like you got something special. Oh, know. yeah. It was, you know, it was awesome. So, yeah, I always think back to, the, you know, freshman year of college. And there's the phone. Yeah,
0: that's it. It's bound to happen at least exactly. once. Exactly. We'll be back time. right after
1: these commercial messages. <laughs> Do people not understand you? I'm going to freaking faint. You get strange reactions in the line for the in store appearance at the record store. Do you lash out at others in frustration at their horrible taste in music when they should be listening to something a bit more worthwhile? You are the masters of heavy metal! Then the Decibel Geek Podcast is here for you. We provide thought provoking commentary on music that doesn't suck. We strive to bring you a healthy dose of discussion on legendary bands. Bands that write amazing songs. We even sometimes talk about Black Sabbath. So stop what you are doing and tune into the Decibel Geek Podcast. I am leaving now. Please visit us at www. No Black Sabbath fans were harmed in the making of this commercial. All right, so uh, number one.
0: All right, my number let, one. Wait, let
1: me do my uh, Peter Chris sixty-three-year-old drum roll.
0: I can't. I can't say. I can't <laughs> say my number one with a drum roll like that. Oh, well, okay. All right, my number one kiss song. Of the non-makeup era, number one from "Lick It Up," Boomerang, it's a "Carnival of Souls." No, I love Boomerang. That's a good song. Awesome. It's it's on my list, but it <laughs> it's on the list, but it doesn't have a star next to it. The one with one big star next to it. My favorite Kiss song of the non-makeup era. Uh-huh. Unholy. Uh,
1: yeah. Unholy
0: is my number one favorite song. Same reason as the Jungle, but even more so. You know, you you spend the last few years with stuff like Crazy Nights coming out. You know, Asylum, Animalize. You know, and Kiss has kind of you know gone downhill in terms of heaviness. You know, and and people, your peers that are into heavy stuff like Guns and Roses and Metallica and Megadeth and Pantera and all these cool heavy metal bands you know look down on you as a kiss fan because they look at kiss and they think forever they think crazy nights they think my way you know all these goofy sappy love ballads and then this comes out and man that video on mtv you know and the black and white and it's dark and it's heavy and it's scary and it's like yeah kiss is back this is this is my kiss right here you know this is something that as a kiss fan don't look at me as somebody that you know Runs around in, in pink, you know, shredded up T-shirts and jeans, you know, all torn to hell and everything. This was Kiss's answer to, I think, they saw, just like everybody else saw, how music, the climate was starting to change. And Kiss hit with this album at just the right time to keep themselves ahead of that. You know, because Kiss could have easily been sucked down with it. If, if Revenge would have been another asylum. hmm you know, who knows if KISS would have survived it. I mean, they could have lived on on their past stuff, I guess, yeah. but it would have hurt them bad. But when KISS came back with this album, and this song in particular, the lead single off it, the, it came out, people heard it, you knew KISS was serious. You knew they were a monster and that they were awesome. This song just encompasses all that. If I, If I had to choose one song from that era, it'd be unholy because it kicks ass. The, the song is awesome. The attitude in the song is awesome. And it marks a return to. It, it marks the beginning of Metal Kiss for me. And that's, you know, like I said, other than the early, early stuff, my favorite era of Kiss. Metal Kiss. It kicked it all off with Unholy. And Love the, it.
1: The funny thing about this song is it comes from a co-write from someone you would never expect to write a song this heavy, and that's Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. That's who helped. Right. He wrote a lot of this song yeah. with Gene Simmons. And, uh,. It's, which also helps spur the conspiracy theorists on that you know Vinnie is always there to save them when they're in their most you know in their time yeah. of need because <laughs> you know they they did okay on with forever and everything but right. you know, commercially they needed a good kick in the ass again right. and uh, Vinny brought this song to Gene and you know they made they let bygones be got bygones for long enough to write a couple of tunes for this album he also helped write uh, Heart of Chrome with Paul this ain't a bad song it's a pretty good tune. Um, But then, you know... Old habits die hard, right. and, uh, the, and shit ha- hit the wall again. And Vinny was gone yet again. He wasn't going to be in the band, but no. the Gene wanted to write with him again because, as this song is evidence, the guy I mean, is a monster of he, a writer.
0: If he'd have played it cool, he could have got you know he could have got Bruce Kulick's yeah. job. I mean, they've been since that moment they've been trying to give it away for years after that, and did twice. You know, back to for real, and then Tommy Thayer, yeah, which so. I think kind of stinks. But <laughs> yeah, I like Bruce Kulick. Yeah, he he doesn't get as much credit as he as he deserves in the the you know if you look. At hey, let's look at the Kiss guitarists. Yeah. You know, other than Ace Fraley, Bruce Keelick's number two in my book every day of the week. You know, he's he's better than the rest, you know, and he's been there, he's technically was in the band longer than Ace Fraley yeah, even. He and, was. You know, but you don't think of him, you know. You think of Ace Fraley or the guy dressed as Ace Fraley. You don't really think of Bruce too much, but you should. You know, the other thing about that is, you know, you ever think that maybe You know, just maybe like you say, when Kiss is in these spots where they really need that kick in the ass, you know, it's like, okay, well, we've got kind of fluffy here for a little bit or, Mm -hmm. you know, Ace has left the band and we're kind of in flux. We don't know what we want to do. We're not really sure. You know, we need to get angry. Right. Right. We need to get angry. We need to, we need to get our balls back, you know, and, and get upset. You know, we gotta, you gotta get pissed off. You know, we're going to get mad. You know, we're going to get mad. What are we going to do? We're going to hang out with Vinny Vincent for a week. (laughs) We're gonna hang out with Vinnie Vincent for a week. We're gonna lock ourselves in this room. We're gonna force ourselves to write some songs with this jerk. Yeah. And we're gonna get so mad that the next album's gonna certainly be heavy kick-ass metal kiss. Yeah. That makes sense, don't it? I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you'd be angry too if you had I to would, hang out with Vinnie Vincent, I'm guessing. I would so
1: like to have been a fly on the wall during those writing <laughs> oh, <man>. sessions. <laughs> you know. Can you imagine how t- how tense it must have been at times with those guys working together again?
0: Well you gotta think Paul Stanley come to Gene and be like, you're not going to believe <laughs> what this asshole is doing right now. And Gene says to Paul, "That's great. Use that. Yeah, exactly. Use that in your songwriting. <laughs> yeah. Get angry. That's why he's here to motivate us to piss us off to write killer rock songs. Exactly. It all comes together now. Yeah.
1: So, well, unholy is, is probably. I'd say most diehards would probably agree with you on yeah. that. Um, I'm going to go a little bit different route. We forever. Talked- no. <laughs> no. Yeah, forever. <laughs> oh God. Or no, every time I look at you. Yeah. Uh no. no. We're gonna go with another pretty uh pretty high tempo or you know, heavier kiss tune, but this one comes from the one the the uh Animalize album that you uh have a soft spot for and we've talked about Bruce, we've talked about Vinny, and we've also talked about the Ace even some. We haven't talked much about Mark Saint John,
0: who was a great guitar player in his own right.
1: I love a lot of the the super fast shredding stuff of the '80s. You know, right. I don't. I would certainly wouldn't want to have a steady diet of it. I don't right. want to hear it all the time. Ace overall is more memorable, mm-hmm. but every now and then it's great to hear some guy just go completely nuts on a guitar. And I don't think he does it better than he does in this song here. Yeah, listen to the lead at the beginning of this tune. He just goes nuts. I love this.
0: Yeah, this is a great song. Animalize, you know, say what you want about it, but it's it's it kind of fits in with Metal Kiss, I think, too, a little bit. You know, this was the coming out of the old and into the new. I think this almost groups better with "Lick It Up" and "Creatures of the Night" than it does with "Asylum" and, and the others.
1: Yeah, this, this for those that don't know, which I doubt anybody doesn't know, that's Kiss Die Hard's listening to this. This song is called "I've Had Enough" into the fire, and it's the leadoff track from Animalize. And I know Heavens on Fire was the big hit off this record, right. but this song fucking kicks ass. Yeah, it does. I this mean, is awesome. It, it's just high tempo, you know, it's 100 miles an hour start to finish, and it's just, the lead, lead playing is just amazing on this this song.
0: For sure, I gotta agree. If this song, you know, if maybe if it weren't for my sentimental pick, you know, it might have made my cut. Yeah. But it's right up there. I mean, if it's not top five, it's gotta be six, seven, or eight, Yeah. for sure. And
1: I mean. there's a... My buddies at the podcast, the Kiss podcast, that's so popular, they uh, were interviewing a guy that he was. His name's Joe Casey. He's a comic book artist, and he's done some of Kiss's comics. Yeah, and he's a Kiss diehard. And like they had him on, and they they said, pick which songs you want us to play, and he picked them playing Kiss on the Animalize tour in somewhere in Europe, leading leading off their show with this song live. Wow! And they freaking nailed it. I mean, it's note for note perfect. Paul hits all the notes. It's but a good song. You can man. tell that this song would exhaust a band to open a show with it because it's Yeah, I suppose to. This is not so. the easiest song to play, you know. But yeah, this is this is a great song and I think it gets overlooked a lot because you know, people remember Heavens on Fire, they think right. of you know, Mark Saint John and they think of Animalize, they don't think
0: of this song. And there's some other great songs off Animalize, too. Yeah. You know. it's really it was really hard for me just to knock it down to five. Yeah. Really hard.
1: But yeah, this one's a great one, and uh, Thrills in the Night's a pretty good track. Yeah, it has some good stuff on it. Um, we won't go into Burn, bitch, burn. We're not and, gonna talk and, about you know, putting and, logs and fire. Yeah, see, and, that's yeah.
0: that's the only thing about that song. I mean, that is a killer song, and that's another you know that's that's a metal tune too. But yeah, the lyrics are a little you know Gene's got that way of euphemisms that you know yeah you know we know what you're talking about you know there you're not hiding it too well you're you're play on words isn't masked that yeah. much you know this ain't Pink Floyd it's Gene Simmons he's sticking yeah. logs in fireplaces biblically listen to biblically. This for a
1: second listen to, the, listen to what he does there heck yeah that's awesome I mean, that's just great I mean like, a lot of people think that's just mindless shredding but I mean there's a lot of musicality to that solo. sure
0: I mean because it's not just you know just shredding just noodling I mean he's following the, right. the he's following the song you know he's it's not just you know if you took that by itself, it would sound pretty cool, yeah. but you put it in the context of the song and it totally fits. It's not like, hey, just come up with something and we'll we'll fit it in there sure. in the mix. Now yeah. this was played for that song and it fits it perfectly. Yeah. And Eric it's, Carr, it's a so shame. crazy on the drums. Yeah. yeah, Eric Carr. I mean, you can't go wrong with him. Did yeah. the, the the drums on this, this lick it up everything. I mean, other than when you could tell where it was kind of dropped down. Yeah, yeah, you know, you can tell when it's when it's Eric Carr. I mean, it's heavy. It's got that boom to it. Yeah. We could
1: Yeah, we can't talk about the non-makeup era KISS without mentioning Eric Carr. For sure. Carr. I mean,
0: he was a huge part of it. I mean, he was, if it wasn't for Eric Carr for a while there, you might as well have just called it the Simmons-Stanley band. Exactly. You know, Eric Carr was the glue that held it all together. Everybody loved him. He an awesome drummer. You know, no disrespect to the original, but, you know, Eric, Eric Carr was, you know, when he joined KISS it changed the dynamic it made them a heavier band because sure. towards the end there it was like it wasn't even peter half the time yeah you know when it was it wasn't you know it, it just good. didn't have the boom that kiss you want to have as a band like kiss you know yeah. when you hit that bass you know it's got a thunder throughout the stadium it's got to you know rattle your house when you're blasting it through your speakers you know and, and eric carr provided that where peter chris and the other guys in the studio just really weren't
1: yeah i should tell my uh my quick eric carr story um I never got to meet the man but uh one of my first concerts was seeing Kiss on the Hot in the Shade tour. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about the non-makeup this was perfect right. for that. Um I saw them here in Nashville. I was about 12 and uh so we, me and my, my brother, older brother took me and his girlfriend at the time to see the show and he was like 16. And uh so we go we go to the show and we have a great time and then you know my parents obviously still put a curfew on us and they were like you got to be home by midnight or whatever. Yeah. So towards the end of the show, um, I remember it was they start when they play "I Want You." It's ne- kind of near the end of the set. Um, my brother looks at the watch. He's like, "We gotta go." Oh. And I was like, "Oh shit!" So, you know, I we take the walk of shame up the, to the top of the hill at Starwood, got out to the parking lot, and then um, we get to the car, and then we realize the battery's dead in the car. Oh. Or well, actually, being sixteen and twelve or thirteen. We don't realize what's wrong with the car. We just know right. the car will not start, and um, not realizing that my brother had left the headlights on earlier when we had gotten to to the amphitheater. Mm-hmm. So I th- I lo- I I'm happy about this because I run up to the fence by the by the grass area and I can look through the fence and watch the rest of the show. Right, you
0: got an excuse to stay late, or not? Right.
1: So I I get to watch the rest of the show sort of through the fence, but it's, meantime my brother's freaking out because he doesn't know how he's going to get us home. So. You know, flash forward to a couple hours later, we can't get anybody there to help us. Like, the security mm. people are dealing with all the drunks and right. stuff. We have to wait until, like, finally enough people start to leave before we can get any help from anybody. Well, in, the, in the meantime, my brother wakes my dad up at, like, a 1 or 2 in the mm-hmm. morning. And we lived like, 40 miles away from the yeah. amphitheater. My dad is none too happy to have to get up and come pick his kids up at a, a KISS concert. So he yells at my brother, gets out of bed... And starts coming out to pick us up. And this is in the days before cell phones. So right. it's not like we can call him if something changes. So he's on his way. And then we finally get one of the people that works at Starwood to come help us out. And the guy comes and he turns the key. He's like, well, your battery's just dead. Hang on. <laughs> and he hooks up the battery. He gets jumper cables. The car starts right up. Wow. So we're like, well, what the hell are we going to do now? Our dad's on the way ready to kill us. And we're like, and then my brother's like, well, he's sure as shit going to be more angry if he gets here and the car starts up. Or let's say he's like, so it's not going to be running when he pulls in. Right. So my dad my dad pulls in, gets into the car, turns the key over, it starts right oh, up. Oh,
0: man. So,
1: you know. That's uh, terrible. Yeah, this is like 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, anyway, before before my dad found us, it, my mom was with him. So they drive around, and they, they don't know anything about Starwood. So they mm. just drive into the first entrance they get to, and it turns out it's the backstage area where all the, everybody's doing a loadout on the buses and everything, where the band
0: is. Yeah.
1: This is way after the concert. So my mom gets out, and she starts looking around for me and my brother, and not realizing she's standing around the road crew. Right. And my brother, my older brother's name is Eric. So my mom is standing outside of Ollie's Kroger, going, Eric, Eric, where the hell are you, Eric? <laughs> and the road crew's thinking, this is some deranged middle-aged woman looking yeah. for Eric. <laughs> right. So... She didn't get to meet him. The, the, the guy, the, the, one of the road crew guys comes here. Up I am. And, yeah, one of the road crew guys comes up. And goes, he goes, "Ma'am, uh, Eric's already left for the for the uh, hotel. the The band's already gone." And she's like, "What? What are you talking about? And she, and she's you <laughs> like, 'You're not. You're not looking for Eric Carr.' She's like, who the hell is Eric Carr?
0: Oh, nice.' So
1: he's like. She's like, my "My son's name is Eric, and he's broken down in the parking lot. And they're like, oh, you're in the wrong spot, man. Oh, wow. they sit her on her way. But I still crack up thinking of my mom standing backstage, screaming her head off, Eric, Eric.
0: (laughs) That is pretty funny, man. What are the odds? And then be like, I don't even know who Eric Carr is. Yeah, she's like, who the hell is Eric Carr?
1: (laughs) 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 So, yeah. But, yeah, that's my uh, story about that. But, uh, you
0: know, I just,
1: I thought this would be kind of a fun, unique uh, top five to do. And, uh you're a big Kiss nerd like me, so sure. I figured this would be kind of fun to do, and, and it uh, was fun. But, yeah. it, but it
0: was difficult. You it was know? very it was, difficult. I got a list a mile long of, of my favorite non-makeup era Kiss songs, and I had to knock it down to five, which was nearly impossible. Yeah. You know, and if you ask me again tomorrow, the list will probably be different. If you ask me a couple days from then, the list will probably be different again. You know, because yeah. you just with Kiss, you know, you get a little bit of everything. That's why it's one of such them great bands that, you know, you might like these songs, but you might not like these songs. They're always they're constantly evolving you know there's yeah. different there's different aspects of the kiss throughout their history but it all comes together to be, to be like the greatest band in the world yes yeah. you know and so you get a little bit of everything but it all tastes good you know we exactly. like it all
1: yeah. you sound like gene yeah <laughs> it's like a buffet it's like the a different buffet. Things you want to have. But yeah all right well thanks for doing this with me and yeah uh, man, it was fun and, uh, we'll do we another figure one figure out soon. another one yeah, yeah sure. cool